Welcome in to the Issue Tales World podcast. Tom Hackett, Steve Barter, we're back with you guys. Sorry about last week. It was a bit chaotic. I was down south in Hurricane Utah. Steve was busy up north and we could never get on the same page. But we're here this week. We apologize for last week. We, uh, we will try and not let that happen again. But nonetheless, Nate Wade Subaru still around. They stuck with us despite the chaos and they're a proud sponsor of this podcast. Without them, it wouldn't be possible. If you're in the market for a new car, or you drive a current Subaru, call them. They may buy your current Subaru and get you into a new one for as much money as you are paying right now, or sometimes even less, believe it or not. It's 1207 South Main Street, Salt Lake City, Utah, just a few blocks from downtown. They're the oldest Subaru dealership in North America. To add to it, at sbartle247 is where you can find stevejutone.com is where his work is also found. I'm at tomcantackard or carcelsports.com. Steve, you have a puppy. I do. I have a puppy. And his name is Huntley. So uh, we, uh, you know, we've, we did the whole Utah football. We've got like the Utah, you know, dog tag. So I'm... I'm podcasting and puppy puppy watching right now. So if I get distracted, you know why it's it's Huntley over here. So just Bloody just FYI, Tom. Is Huntley his first name or last name? Oh, it's first name. It's first name. Okay. Yeah, last we went name first Tyler. Name. Last name Tyler. <laughs> no, last name is our name, right? That's how you do it, right? So Huntley Bartle, that would be that's it, right? Like that's yeah, how yeah. But it's just Huntley. Like the Huntley Bartle thing, it just it just, it doesn't flow. Bartle is such a hard word, like a, such a hard, I don't know. It's just not pretty. It's not easy, you know, not easy off the tongue. Yeah. I, yeah. For dogs, especially Bartle's probably not the easiest thing to say, but well, that's yeah. cool. Uh, congratulations. Uh, the, the first child of, um, of course yours and, and the lovely Kendra's. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, it, 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 will, <laughs> it will set you up perfectly for when you have um, a human child, I think. I, uh, you know, that's, that's years away. But, yes, uh, hopefully, you know, the, the first couple of weeks potty training, this guy will, uh, will have us prepared for, you know, God knows what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, so we do have a, a few things to talk about. It's worth noting, like this time of year, it is slower than normal, uh, and that's okay. You know, it can't be it can't be crazy all the time. Uh, but this is, you know, this is really when it's, I guess, at, it's probably at its slowest right about now, and entering into summer because, of course, come fall, the season begins, and at the start of the year, you look forward to spring ball. Now spring ball's done, and uh, during spring ball, of course, there's plenty to talk about, but then spring ball concludes as it has now in 2021. And then there's an extended break as summer and conditioning. And, you know, maybe there's a few, hopefully the biggest news this summer, Steve is going to be the, and maybe we can start the podcast here, but, but the wide receivers, I, I think when you look at the roster right now, and you've spoken about this over the last couple of episodes, but one or two more wide receivers would probably be the position group that you'd like to see most of the attention fall to during the summer. And, and so maybe the biggest news could potentially be a, a receiver transfer. Have you, Steve, got anybody in mind that's in the portal at the minute or, or where are you at when it comes to who Utah could bring in at wide receiver? Yeah. You know, this is uh this is going to be an interesting off season. Um, Whittingham is, you know, he's, he's talked about it uh, pretty, pretty publicly that, 
they want to address, they want to, you know, bolster the wide receiver room. I think they have, I think they feel comfortable with the guys like the slot receivers, the smaller, speeder, speedier, uh, quicker receivers. You know, you saw it in the spring game. They've got, they've got a handful of them, right? You know, you've got Covey, you've got Dixon, but then you've got <clears throat> Money Parks, you've got Kane Savage, you've got um, who who am I blank? There's there's a couple others. Valet. The Devon Valley is a bigger guy, um, and and we'll talk about him because his emergence was super important. Uh, but Utah's Utah's just got a lot of smaller receivers, and I think. Um, uh, I think they want to add a, you know, a, a, a dynamic athlete, a Brian Thompson type, like obviously that can play outside and inside that's got the athleticism to, to be a, a, a threat anywhere on the field. Um, they want that kind of guy, um, good athleticism, good size. I think that's the, the type of receiver that, that would, would help Utah the most. Um, and so, you know, at Ute Zone, this is the type of stuff that we talk about uh, with everything else going on. We've kind of put it on the back burner just because we've we've known it's it's going to be it's going to come like eventually we're going to see, um, you know, a commitment, maybe two commitments, whatever. I, the, the receiver position is going to uh, get some help this summer. And so uh, at Ute Zone, we, we published a piece um, about a week ago now. Uh, and, you know, there's a couple guys to, to keep in mind and, and to, to keep your eye on if, if you like to follow this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, just, just to, to throw a couple names out there, you've got a guy like Tommy Bush, who is, you know, he plays at Georgia. He's six foot five, 195 pounds. Uh, this was a kid that was, uh, recruited in the same class, the 2018 class. So that was the year that, um, Jack Tuttle was in Utah's class. Solomon Enos was in the class. Um, so that's that's when he was a recruit. Was twenty eighteen, um, and he's you know he's been he's just been stuck at, in the uh, he's just been stuck. He's had some injuries at Georgia that has kind of limited his impact, limited his ability to um, to see the field and that kind of stuff. And so he's, he's entered the portal and looking for a place where he, he can, he can, um, he can make an impact. And Utah, you know, Utah recruited him during that 2018 cycle and, you know, they've got a relationship with him. Uh, and so that's, that's a guy to keep, uh, keep an eye on. You've got another guy in Theo Howard who, you know, that should be a familiar name for those that, you know, have followed Utah football over the last few years. He was at UCLA for, um, I think, three seasons uh, and then transferred to Oklahoma last year, suffered an injury, was kind of limited. Um, actually, I think he transferred to Oklahoma two years ago, suffered an injury um, and just wasn't able to, to get going. He's in the portal again, and I think he's somebody to definitely uh, keep your eye on. Uh, and then, you know, there are a couple others. And the nice thing about – shouldn't say the nice thing. The thing that we know about the transfer portal is that more and more guys are going to enter it, you know, in the days and, and weeks and months to come, uh, especially as spring camps wrap up and, um, and, and guys kind of figure out they're standing on, on, on certain teams and that kind of thing. So, uh, but those are two names just to kind of throw out there. 
both would be welcomed additions to the wide receiver room. And I think would help Utah in, in you know, in, in a big way, they would provide, you know, some, some athleticism, some playmaking ability, some, some potential. And, and obviously, you know, in, in Tommy Bush's case, there are some concerns with his injury history and just his inability to, to see the field and produce. So you, you would be kind of taking a, a leap of faith with a player like Tommy Bush. Um, but I think he's the type of talent that has, you know, has, has kind of eluded Utah at the receiver position. Um, and so that's the type of talent that you can, you can bring in through the transfer portal as a, a highly talented kid coming out of high school, kind of gets buried, has a chip on his shoulder, looking for a second chance, comes to Utah and, and can, can kind of break out. So um, I think another position that, you know, we're going to have to follow closely is going to be the safety position. Um, Whittingham talked about this. I think, I think he addressed it even with, with Bill Riley uh, on, on Bill Riley, on the Bill Riley show, but uh, RJ Hubert suffered uh, a pretty significant injury. Uh, It sounds like his season may be in question, maybe in doubt even. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see Utah uh, search the portal for, for help at safety. They've got some young talent, you know, at, at the safety position, but I think it makes a lot of sense, you know, to bring in a guy that has some experience, has some, um, uh, some years under his belt at the college level to, to come in and kind of help that safety position because Utah has basically everything else you need and um, on this team and just to kind of shore up, shore up the defense and, and shore up that safety depth. I think looking for a safety would make a lot of sense for Utah as well. Yeah, well, it, it'll be fascinating and fun to kind of follow across the summer uh, as as the news surrounding Utah football kind of dwindles and dwindles. But but that sort of stuff could certainly help content for uh, for the fans. You know, you keep them alive, if you will, throughout those those golfing seasons. But um, it's something to keep an eye on. I, I as you were talking, I was kind of thinking a few things here. Wide receivers. You know, even if Utah does bring in, say, a Theo Howard or a or a or a Bush from from Georgia, you know, a, a taller guy to, to play on the outside, I, I still think going into the year, Solomon Enos and, and the pressure and the expectation on him is as high as it's ever been. And Utah fans that are either for or against Solomon Enos will learn very quickly what this young man's all about. Uh, he is he is a highly talented player out of Arizona. He had some pretty big offers, um, Penn State being one of them. Uh, he was a top five recruit out of the state of Arizona, if my memory serves me correctly. My point is he just hasn't had, he hasn't done a ton yet at Utah. He's been behind the likes of Brian Thompson. He's always struggled when it comes to trying to find targets. And look, it's not easy. Brant Keithy, Brenton Covey, Brian Thompson when he was around. Uh, Jalen Dixon when he's healthy, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a number of other players out there that need the football just as much as he, but he's going to enter this year, even if they bring in somebody, in my opinion, anyway, is kind of the guy that, that Utah looks for on the outside. And then the other thing I was thinking about as you were talking, Steve, that I think is interesting is, and I think fans need to kind of put more thought towards this is 99% of people that are in the transfer portal are in the transfer portal for some reason. One reason or another. Right. Generally speaking, that reason isn't 
positive news, right? Whether it be injuries, uh, sure. maybe they've, they've fallen out of luck with the coaching staff, maybe their form over the last couple of years has dwindled in the case of Charlie Brewer. And they, they just feel like for them personally, they need a new start to try and to try and rekindle and reinvigorate themselves as a player. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's worth noting that, and this, this, this goes for any position for, for basketball as well. Now, how, no matter how big a name somebody may be like, there's a, there's generally a reason he's in the transfer portal right. and the, and the reason is generally not a great reason. So uh, I'm sure there's an there's outliers out there that are just, despite happiness and trust with coaching staff and positive play, they feel like for whatever reason they need to move. Maybe it's family being close to the family, whatever the case may be. But for the most part, um, yeah, the transfer, the transfer portal is always going to have risk associated it in yeah. my opinion. Um, no, that's, that's a great, that's a great point, Tom. Like, I, I think it's something where, you know, for those that, that like to follow recruiting, you kind of get up, caught up in, in not necessarily the star ranking, but you know, 24 seven sports, we have the, the composite rating. And, and I think a lot of people kind of get caught up in that and focusing too much on that and, and kind of projecting what that player's impact would be, um, you know, when looking at guys in the transfer portal. Uh, that's a great point to bring up, that there are reasons why guys enter the portal. And, you know, sometimes it's just they weren't um, – they didn't, you know, they, they didn't emerge. They didn't have a – you know, not necessarily that they didn't have an opportunity, but they did, they didn't take advantage of an opportunity – uh, they didn't move up the depth chart. Uh, there were, you know, it, it's important to ask why guys were in the portal. I think it's something that um, definitely needs to to be factored in uh, when when discussing that guys in the transfer portal. And I think Utah, both in kind of what I'm I'm learning um, as I as I dive more into the basketball program with with Craig Smith, um, you know, Utah does their homework. Um, the football program does their homework. Uh, they, they, you know, like to talk to a lot of people associated with a certain kid, kind of get a feel for what he's like on and off the field. Um, so they, they try to uh, limit as much uncertainty um, as possible. They, they try to get as much information on each of these guys, basically doing like a background check on these guys, just to get a feel for what they're like, just because, you know, there, like you said, there are reasons why guys enter the portal. And, you know, it's not just because, you know, they want to enjoy another five official visits as a recruit again. Uh, they, uh, you know, typically they're, they're leaving for a reason and, and, and looking for a fresh start for a reason. So that's, that's a great point, Tom. Yeah. No, uh, thanks, Dave. I mean, the game of, the game of football or sport in general, you know, we'll take football, for example, the NFL draft is coming up, right? Maybe listeners of this podcast, maybe the NFL draft's already done by the time, by the time you tune into this. But we're recording this on, on Wednesday, April 28th, the day before the NFL draft is scheduled to take flight. And I was listening, I've been listening to radio anytime I drive to kind of see if I can hear anything about Zach Wilson because I'm fascinated to kind of see what happens with him. And by all reports, it sounds like he's kind of locked in to go number two to the New York Jets. And, 
Uh, and of course, that that comes with a number of expectation and responsibility, and we can kind of dive into that maybe in a few minutes. But but I was I was listening to the radio, and I think it was Dan Patrick was saying, or he was interviewing somebody that that's obviously been following the NFL and, and the draft for decades now. But fifty percent of first round picks aren't gonna they're not gonna they they're not gonna live up to expectation in the NFL, and that's kind of it happens every year. 50% of first round picks will never live up to the expectation in the NFL. And it's just, it's mind blowing that even at that high level, when nowadays they have the, the ability to study every single snap from college. And, and generally speaking, because in the, in, in football, you have to play, I think three years of college. I mean, that is, that's a lot of tape that these NFL scouts, general managers, and executives can study, dissect, and try and figure out if you can make it or not in the NFL. Even then, they still yeah. get it wrong. And you think, you, think, you think football, Utah football coaches speak to a lot of people as it relates to recruiting high school athletes? Oh, yeah. you, should, you should see what the NFL scouts do. I mean, it's their day job. They do it every single day, all day. They bounce from city to city, team to team, depending on what's in their region, and speak to as many people as they can about players that they're interested in to try and learn more. And even then, with millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line, I mean, signing bonus for Zach Wilson will be anywhere from 27 to $29 million. Even when there's that much money on the line, they still get it wrong. The game, the sport, or sport in general, forget about just football, Sport in general, it essentially comes down to trying to trying to juggle an expectation versus an actual reality, and 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 what players can live up to that and what can't. And I mean, look, there's so much that goes into all of it that we don't have enough time to to talk right. about it, and we'd need professionals and psychologists. I mean, you know, the, <laughs> the list goes on and on and on and on and on. But at the end of the day, you're trying to find players. That, that can handle pressure because, uh, yeah. because especially even at the college level, forget about the NFL, but even at the college level, generally speaking, and this was my experience at Utah State, generally speaking, the talent gap between the best player on the team and somebody that's struggling to find snaps at the two or three deep, like the, the, the talent gap between the two isn't that much. I mean, sure, maybe – Maybe Brian Thompson's better than a second, third string wide receiver or, or whatever. But, but Brian Thompson, the Britton Coveys, the Jalen Dixons, the Brant Keithys, the, you know, hopefully Charlie Brewers, those are the guys that mentally are far more advanced uh, than, than somebody yeah. that's two or three on the depth chart. And they're the ones that can, can paddle, um, that, that, that can comprehend and understand. And, and, and essentially defeat the expectation that people like you and I and the fan base has put on them. Yeah. You know, I, two years ago, I think, yeah, it was, it was two years ago. It was before the 2019 season. Um, I did, uh, I did a, uh, oh, what do you call it? Um, I did like a, a class uh, with, um, the scouting Academy is what it's called. And, and what it is, is <clears throat> it's these former scouts uh, that worked in the NFL have put together this program. It's, it's uh, 
three, two, it's a two month, no, it's a three month program. It was three months um, where you basically learn uh, the ins and outs of scouting evaluation, the process of scouting and, and just how thorough it is. And my goodness, man, it's crazy. The amount of detail that goes into evaluations. Like I, when I watch, when I watch game, like film and stuff, like I replay um, a, a play four or five times, just rewinding it back and forth. Right. And, and watching whether it be a certain player, uh, the defense, the offensive line, I'm watching a play four, five, six, seven times, just going back and forth. Right. And I'm looking for very specific things um, when, when I'm watching film and that's like, I'm, I'm an am like, I'm an amateur, bro. Like I'm not like these paid professionals, dudes that are paid, you know, six figures to travel the country and evaluate talent in person on film to gather as much intel as they possibly can on these guys. Like the NFL is incredibly um, dependent on as much information as possible for this, for, you know, for the draft process. They are gathering information 365 days of the year. It is absurd. The amount of intel that they collect on players, on prospects, um, that that goes into <laughs> that goes into the draft, that goes into these draft selections, right? And you know, every little thing matters. What the, the biggest thing that I learned was just how valuable context is and understanding, you know, the uh, you know, what's going into the game, what happened prior to the game for a certain player? Was the player sick during the week? How many hours of practice did he get? Did he have an injury? Did all of these things matter? All of, you know, these, these things that you just don't take into account, every little bit matters as these teams evaluate because, you know, they, they're all arrogant. They all think that they're making the best decision that they, they possibly can, right? They're prideful. They're arrogant. Um, and you know, really that's, uh, that's, uh, what leads to a lot of these mistakes is that, is that pride, that arrogance, uh, because, you know, they feel they can make something work that maybe, uh, isn't there. And so, um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but just well, you but- talking about the draft evaluation process and all of that, like it is extremely detailed how much they go yeah. into it, uh, with, with players. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, they're looking at things that you know most of us wouldn't even wouldn't even think about. Bro. You know? I mean, they're, they're they're looking at just demeanor and where head yeah. positioning is is he slouching? I mean, like you know, you name it, they're pinpointing everything. I actually, Steve, to be honest, I I I'm at, I actually think we're at a point now with with, with how how accessible in, information is uh, today. I I think we're at a point where there's there's too much information out there. Yeah. It, it's almost blurring. You know, for example, like like Russell Wilson went in the third round of the oh, I can't even remember, but whatever draft. You know, he went. He was a third round pick. Russell Wilson was. NFL teams wouldn't touch Russell Wilson because he was like five eight, five nine. Right. You know, if you if right. you were under six foot, you you weren't you weren't a top one or two draft pick. Uh, right. Russell Wilson's a future Hall of Famer. 
He's somebody that's revolutionized the game. He's the reason Kyler Murray went number one overall a couple of years ago. Kyler yep. Murray, prior to, 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 um, to Wilson doing anything in the NFL, was probably a third-round pick, much like Russell Wilson was. But because Russell Wilson's proven that you don't actually have to be 6'2", 210, to be a successful quarterback at the National Football League, you can play effectively, smart, and, and stay relatively healthy at 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, I mean, it's just, I think we're at a point now where, where NFL teams and scouts, uh, they, they, they have access to too much information that they start second-guessing themselves and, uh, and they don't quite know now where, where to go. I mean, think about it, like Justin Fields, for example, and this can lead Perfect us Perfect example. Next, next Perfect. conversation. Justin Fields is a player that went to what, the Ohio State University and Utah, you know, Utah fans are going to get upset at me for saying the, but nonetheless, he, he played in multiple, multiple playoff games. He played in some of the biggest games you can play in as a college player. He was incredibly successful. He had good years. He never had bad years. He had some great years. I mean, he played for a lot of games for Ohio State and, 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 and he's not going to get picked up uh, before Zach Wilson, who, by the way, I'm a fan of Zach, and I want everybody out there to know right. that he's a local kid. I'm always going to cheer for the local guy. And I, I'm, I'm ecstatic for him and his right. family that he's under the... But there were question marks as to whether or not he was going to start at BYU before this past season. Right. He was in a battle to win the starting quarterback job less than six months ago. I mean, and he's going to go as the number two overall pick because he went right. 11 one against really bad opposition Let's really bad in comparison yeah. to justin fields like it, this is the sort of stuff that it's it's so crazy and fascinating to me uh and and i'm i'm right there with you like as you were talking about it that was the exact person that I thought of as you were kind of just explaining how guys are starting to overthink it, how teams are, are starting to overthink it. Justin Fields has produced, has won everywhere he's been, and he's done it against some, some great competition. Like, yes, he, he's got a lot of talent around him, but he's facing an equal amount of talent on the other side of the, on the other side of the ball. Right. And, you know, we can't, you know, we (laughs) like there's, we talk about the talent gap between Utah and BYU, but in all fairness, there's a bigger talent gap between BYU and Northern Alabama. Like it's, it's just, you have to take everything into context and and Zach Wilson um, deserves a lot of credit for taking advantage of, you know, of, of what was given to him this season. You know, he simply just went out and, and played, played ball as at a high level against, you know, some, some con- competition that was questionable. And if the New York Jets value what they see on, on film, uh, more so than, you know, what they see on film with Justin Fields or Trey Lance, then, you know, go ahead. Go ahead, New York Jets. There's a reason you continue to pick at the top of the draft each and every year. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, go ahead. Do you, New York. But uh, Zach Wilson deserves a ton of credit because he's made himself a multimillionaire and the local kids, uh, you know, they deserve a, a ton of credit for getting to that level. Zach Wilson worked hard. And, 
you know, there, there were questions about his game, about, you know, his status as the starter. Um, but you know, he went out, he balled out and, you know, he put himself in this position. It's not his fault. And, and I'm not trying to like, you know, blame him or say he lucked out because he didn't, because he, he put in the work. Um, it's just, if it were me, I would be going elsewhere with, with my draft pick. Uh, I still think that Zach Wilson is a fabulous talent. Uh, I just have some questions uh, and it all comes back to the competition that he faced and, and, and all of that. So, but he's got some unreal talent. Uh, you know, I hope that it works out. The New York jets have not been great uh, over the last few years. And, you know, I'm kind of nervous for him in, in that regard, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. I was. Uh, I was. Uh, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be blunt here. So I just got a phone call. I put myself on mute. I didn't hear a word you just oh, said. Okay. No, I was. I was worried. I was like, "What just happened? Did we just lose our recording?" Okay. No, it's you didn't miss anything. I just went on a little rant about Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. No, it was. It was nothing. I like that. <laughs> I, I got a phone call from uh, from Guy Holiday. Oh. So, I, so, so normally, like, if, you, if you're on a podcast, and you know this, Steve, like, your phone's next to you because, you know, as journalists, as members of the media, like, it's paramount that you have access to your right. phone. So your phone's always on you or next to you. And so I'm sitting here, and you're, you're speaking, and I'm getting this phone call from Guy Hullard, and I'm like, I, I probably shouldn't send him the voicemail. I should probably answer it. So I did. And... Uh, it was lovely to hear his voice because obviously it's been some right. time. I'm, 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 I'm hopeful to uh, to get him on the golf show. This Ooh, week. there you go. Yeah, so I, I've been speaking to guy and uh, and we may get him on the golf show. Obviously, he well, he was down at BYU, and that's kind of the reason why I wanted to get him on. And of course, he's had experiences at Utah. You know why the golf show is so good? It's because, and you know this, and we'll have you on again, Steve, when he yes. makes it. Yes. We, we only play it. We only play a hole or two, right? We only play a hole or two. And then the, the 16, 17 other holes, we can talk about whatever. There are no right. That, that, that's the best part of the golf show because when you have people on, like I guarantee you, if I, if I get Holiday, Guy Holiday on the show, I, I guarantee by the end of the round, I'll know every bit of dirt that happened at Utah football. And I may not be able to say any of it, but I'll stay credible. (laughs) I don't give a rat if the fans out there disagree with my takes. I know more than you. (laughs) I may not know more than Steve, but I know more than bloody ball down in West Valley. (laughs) Because of the six. Holes I spent with Guy Holiday when he was ripping the janitor at Utah football because they claimed he did, you know, whatever the case may be. <laughs> that'll be fun, anyway, man. Be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yes, yes, yes. It'll be fun. It'll be a ton of fun. So I apologize for not hearing your rant about here. Okay, let's get back on track. Let's get back on. So, really quickly, really bluntly, in your opinion, does Zach Wilson live up to the expectation, assuming he goes number two to the New York Jets? Oh, man. And I, I feel bad because it's, it's so dependent on where you go, I think. Unless you're a talent like Trevor Lawrence, where you just can overcome because you're an incredible talent, um, you know, a generational the, the type Jags, talent. The Jags. 
the Jags are still going to be okay offensively, I think. They, they, the Jags still have some weapons to play with. The Jets? Well, let me tell you about the Jets. Well, actually, I don't need to tell you much. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you, got, uh, <laughs> you, got, you spent some time there. I forgot about that. But, yeah, you I spent think, some think- time there. I think the last two plays out of the state of Utah to be on the on the ro- the roster of the New York Jets was myself and Zach Wilson, Steve. <laughs> Dude, so it's, Zach, uh... If you're listening, call me. I'll tell you all about my 24-hour pit stop in uh, <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> you know, it'll be interesting, and and I hope, um, I hope Robert Salah is, is the head coach that many think he can be. Um, I think that is going to be a huge determining factor in Zach Wilson's success because the track record has been, you you know, if you go to New York, uh, you play for the Jets, it's <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be rough. It's uh, it's going to be very difficult because I mean, look, recent history shows us like Sam Darnold, you know, you go back what 4 years now, like he was, you know, he was Zach Wilson. He was the guy. Kind he of, was kind of sure, sure. He threw, he threw a lot of picks at US. Sure, sure. He, yeah, especially that that final year, he didn't didn't improve from the previous year where he led USC to a Rose Bowl victory over Penn State. Didn't improve on on you know. I I get that. So maybe not the exact same, but still similar yeah. talent. You know, so uh, and it did not go well, did not go well for old Sam. And, you know, that's that's difficult. So I I don't want to say. Like Zach isn't going to live up to expectations, because I think everybody has the expectation that if you go to New York, you're just going to fail. Like, trust me, I I will pull for Zach Wilson to to have success at New York. I do not want him to be another in, in a long line of failures because that's never fun. You don't want to be that guy. Um, but man, I don't know. He's got he's got history stacked up against him, and that's going to be tough. But I hope that Robert Salah puts together a nice offense around him, and and they can just let him be him. There's a, there's a couple teams in the NFL you don't want to get drafted to. The Jets, obviously, being one. I'd say the Browns, kind of, maybe last year and the year before, they've looked like they're better. But prior to that, it right. was 20-odd years where they stunk it up. So, sure, throw the Browns in there. I'd throw the Lions. Detroit Lions haven't done really anything. Even, even back when they had Barry Sanders and Scotty Mitchell, who's now uh, with me over at KSL, you know, even then, they they struggled a bit. They made playoffs, but they they never they never really anyway. So the Lions, I'd throw in there. Who else would you throw in there, Steve? That Ooh. you probably don't want to get drafted by. Um, I would have said I would have said Miami, but I I'm I we'll like see. that coach. I do too, and I think I think they've got a good plan. I think they've they're kind of turning that thing around. Miami should be in that group, but we'll, we'll keep them out of it. Um, you, you would throw Houston in there before Deshaun Watson arrived. I'd say Houston's never won a Super Bowl, although they haven't been around for that long. Um, they're kind of, and they're they're kind of, they're kind of in a mess right now. Anyways, yeah. I don't know that I would want to be drafted there. 
What what do we know what the latest is with Deshaun? Have we? Oh, we I know oh. I, the the count was up to like last I looked, and this was a few weeks ago. It was like eighteen, and so I don't know yeah, what was... I haven't heard anything lately. But I imagine it's not looking good for Mister Watson. Yeah, so that's that's kind of a situation you want to avoid. Um, Oakland or Las Vegas now. Las Vegas is, you know, John Gruden is there, and that's great. Mike Mayak is great. Uh, but the Davis family, like, I just, I don't know. They don't have a great track record with the draft. Um, the Bengals, you know, oh, the book's the still Bengals. out on them. I knew the I was Bengals. someone. The Bengals, man. <laughs> Cincinnati. Oh, uh, Joe Burrow. Is he the same? So, Look, there are a number of NFL teams that have billionaire owners that pay millions and millions and millions of dollars every single year with the hopes of winning the Lombardi trophy that are so far from that. It's not even funny. And that isn't just the NFL. I mean, that's in every league, every league that's professional that has decent coin backing behind it. There are always going to be teams that suck historically that just for whatever reason can't not suck. And it's crazy to me that, they throw all of these res- re- all of this these resources into trying to create a, a winnable system and product, and they just can't do it. To answer the Zach Wilson question, if I was a betting man, I would not be betting that he lives up to expectation. Uh, not because I don't think he's good; I think he's really good. I I just I just the New York Jets, dude. How can you how can you bet that he's going to right gonna yeah. Pick- Turn a, turn an entire franchise around. It's just you know like the odds of that happening. It's, it's so hard for him to be able to accomplish that. So, but I I hope I really hope because I think he's got a ton of talent. I think he's got maybe more more throwing ability than than anybody in the draft. Uh, but and, and there's always a but. There's either always an and or a but. And the but in this case is he really hasn't played a ton of. Uh, games where the stakes are really high yeah he, he just he hasn't had much playoff experience he yeah. hasn't had any playoff experience and the best bowl game he's played is i, I wouldn't even be able to tell you whatever maybe the miami bowl back in the day i don't know if he was there then but he played really well in the boise that boise bowl the potato bowl but that was against western michigan so i mean right you know what i mean it's just like yeah so so if the jets make the playoffs and he's in, the wild, in a wildcard game, or if he's fighting at the end of the season to get the Jets into a wildcard game, nobody really knows how he's going to perform because he's right. nobody's seen how. He, and so it'll be fascinating, man. I'm looking oh, forward yeah. to it. Hey, this is what's really cool, and this is what I wanted to bring up before we get out of here, Steve. Is it last year that, that uh, what's-his-face from Utah State, Love, got drafted in the first round? Or was that two years ago? It was last year. Yep. Last that was year. Last okay, year. so there you yeah. go. So that was a first-round draft pick quarterback out of the state of Utah. This year, you'll obviously have Zach Wilson. That's two kids out of the state of Utah at the quarterback position that'll be first-round picks. That, I bet, has never happened before, uh, and that's really worth talking about. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up was was Penny Sewell. I mean, he's a top-10 draft pick. He may go he may go three or four. You know, he could go really, he could go high. Uh, and of course, he's out of St. George, Utah, the Sewell family. The, his brother's playing for Utah at the minute. Um, another brother played 
Oh, his other brother's playing at Oregon. I mean, they're all over the West Coast at this point. Yeah. So, you know, let's just say he goes inside the top five, or even if he goes inside the top 10, I guess it doesn't matter, but that's two guys, you know, two out of 10 uh, uh, prospects going, going in the top 10 of the 2021 NFL draft. I think that right there is, uh, is worth, worth a headline and uh, worth something to be proud of if you're from the state of Utah. It shows that, that football within this state, you know, was a laughing stock not that long ago. And, and, and now it's, it's turning around. And with the influx of people from California coming into town and surrounding areas, you know, the state of Utah is in, is in a very healthy position as it relates directly to its high school and college football scene. Yeah, I agree. The, the talent has, has gotten better in the state and, you know, it's only continuing on that, that upward trajectory. And I think, um, you know, Utah's had, you've got J2 Fele from USC, also a product of Utah that's, that's going to have an opportunity to hear his name called. Um, you know, you've got a lot of local talent. Uh, and the great thing is, is that more and more kids are getting opportunities, uh, not just at the highest level, right? Like we all want to see these kids at Utah or, and, and to see these kids have success. But a lot of these kids are just simply getting opportunities because the reputation of you know, Utah high school football is, is growing and improving. And, you know, there's a lot of great, um, great avenues to, to kind of get yourself, you, you know, if you've got a kid that, you know, you feel is pretty talented uh, and, and just needs some, some exposure, needs some, some work, some training, you know, Utah is starting to, you know, get the means, get, get the, uh, um, the resources where, you know, you can accomplish those tasks. If you want to have your, if, you know, if you've got a kid, you want him competing in these seven on seven tournaments, there are teams available for you to, to join and, and you can go out and you can compete against the teams from California and Texas and, you know, all of these other States. And the great thing is, is that um, it's just helping Utah's reputation, helping improve the talent and it's gotten better the elite talent has has gotten better, uh, but just the talent in general within the state um, has improved quite a bit. And uh, it's it's exciting to think of what will come, you know, in the next five to 10 years and, and the type of prospects that we'll see uh, over the next little while. Because, you know, Utah has traditionally been, you know, a lineman heavy producer, you know, but now now you're starting to see some athletes. Now you're starting to see some dudes. Uh, you know, talking about Noah Sewell, the linebacker up at Oregon. Now you, you've got a kid like Lander Barton, who's a linebacker, defensive end, tight end uh, for Brighton uh, in, in this upcoming cycle. You've got uh, other kids, Luke Hyde, uh, Jackson Dart. You've got other kids that, you know, are starting to play more of these skill positions where, you know, that the talent is starting to rise and it's exciting to think of what will come, you know, as we get further and further down, down the road. Um, and, and uh, definitely the, the talent is getting better each and every year. Yeah. I just remember moving out here in 2012 and talking to a bunch of people about the, the product at, at, at the high school level. And not a ton of people to be fair, even from Utah had, had that greater things to, uh, to say about high school football, as it, especially as it compared to California Texas, Florida, but now it's like, you know, we're not quite there yet. I don't know if we ever will be just because population and, and whatnot. But, 
but boy, there are kids coming out of Utah now that are that are getting annual offers from Oregon and USC and and Texas and Fillinger, for example. So anyway, it's cool to see. I'm I'm wrapped to uh to, to kind of be in the middle of it and I'm sure you are as well. Um Steve, last but not least, uh, I know we have we fixated a lot a lot of today on kind of scouting in the NFL and, and how how it's it's almost impossible nowadays to, to be able to figure out whether or not a player will turn out as well as you'd think or not. And of course Mac Wilson and, and a few of the other guys. Utah could have had a few draft picks if if, if a few of their kids decided to opt out and and, and forgo their senior year and, and, and draft uh, the the linebacker uh, for example, was, was certainly probably one of them. Uh, I'm brain farting on his name, but springs over, so I guess it doesn't matter anymore. But uh, who's, that, uh, who's, who's number zero? What's his name? Oh my gosh, guess Kevin Lloyd. Thank you, thank you. Gosh, I, I go to St. George for a week, I come back, I forget everybody's name. Devin Lloyd, he would probably go the highest. You will Utah have any pick this year? I I don't. I, I haven't heard much, yeah. or uh, I don't really see who. Who do you reckon? Who do you reckon may go for Utah, if anybody at all, Steve? Yeah, you know, it, 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 <laughs> for for us Utah guys, like it sucks this draft because Utah won't have any draft eligible players, you know, this this year. But they definitely would have had a couple guys um, yeah. hear their names called um, this this weekend in the draft. Uh, Devin Lloyd, Brent Keithy, Nick Ford. These are, you know, three guys that timeout. I. I got to call a timeout. Timeout? Yeah, I just got. Steve, I got to intrude for a second. Did Nick Ford really receive a second or third round grade? Third or fourth with the chance to improve to a second or third. Okay, let me rephrase that. Did Nick Ford really get a third or fourth round grade? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Bro. Dude, good Again. for him. I just Yeah. Why? Like, like, and I'm not trying to hate, because I, I again going back to the whole Zach Wilson conversation, any kid out of a local school I'm cheering for. And and obviously Nick Ford plays for my alma mater. I want Nick Ford to be a first round pick, but I'm also a realist. Like I'm not an offensive lineman guru. Like, I don't study offensive line, but, but he's given up a few sacks in some pretty big games. Like, to me, I don't know. I, Umana's better than, than Ford, in my opinion. Oh, boy. I don't know about that. Um, no, like Nick Ford. So draft evaluation is, is, is a lot of fun because uh, we're having this debate about, you know, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Who's accomplished more in their career, Justin Fields or, or Zach Wilson? It's Justin Fields by far. Like, it's no question. What are people basing Zach Wilson's evaluation on? Traits, right? Traits. In specific arm throwing traits, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, And with Nick, that's it's the same thing. So, sure, he's, he's allowed a few sacks. A lot of them were just due to mental errors, miscommunications, that kind of thing which can be coached up and fixed, right? When you're looking at, uh, at offensive linemen, what, what does he have that we can't coach? He's an athlete, right? Like he's, he's pretty nimble for 6'5", 315 pounds. He's, he's pretty nimble. 
He can get out in space. He can change directions. You know, when you're battling like the Aaron Donald types, you got to be able to move and change directions. Right. And I think Nick, Nick has, you know, he grew up playing wide receiver. He didn't grow into alignment until his junior senior year in high school, you know, so he's got, he's got some, some nimble, uh, some nimble feet uh, where he can, he's, he's a pretty good athlete. And so he's got these uncoachable traits. um, And then you combine that with just his, playing demeanor is playing mentality where he, you know, he enjoys um, playing tough, playing nasty and, and, and being physical. Those are things that you can't always coach out of guys. And he's got that. And so uh, if you're, if you're a coach, if you're a talent evaluator, you're thinking, okay, this guy has the, has things that we can't coach. We can coach up his technique. We can coach up his understanding of, of assignments and, understanding of you know how to combo block and how to reach and how to do these things the way we want him to um those that's that's kind of the thing here so yeah like i absolutely believe nick ford got a third fourth round grade because of those traits that he has um and his projection getting him under a new coaching staff where he can kind of be coached the way that they want him to play yeah, absolutely. Nick Ford could could get a third, fourth round grade. Absolutely, Tom. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I do apologize. <laughs> I heard that and I was like, third or fourth round. I'm going, goodness gracious. That I mean, like, I think he's a good player. I uh, I, I don't think he's a bad player. I mean, my word, he plays for he plays left tackle, left guard on on Utah's starting five. I mean, like. You've got to be pretty good to, to accomplish just that alone. But third or fourth round, I mean, you're putting yourself in like the upper echelon. To, yeah. You think about how many offensive linemen there are in the country playing college yeah. ball. You think about how good college ball players are. And then go third or fourth round. I mean, it just goes to show kind of Garrett Bowles and how impressive he was. I mean, similar to, to Nick Ford in some way when it comes to athleticism. I'd still say maybe Garrett Bowles is a little bit more athletic than Nick, but nonetheless, you know, Nick Ford, oh, you're yeah. right. He's, he's certainly very athletic for a man of his stature. So maybe it shouldn't surprise me, but, but at first it, it kind of, it shook us me sure. a little bit. Uh, sure. I was like, goodness gracious. That's, that's quite high. Anyway. Um, so next year will be the year. It seems this year will be quiet. Yeah. I didn't even hold a pro day. Uh, right. so that should, that should tell Utah fans kind of where you're at. So, Enjoy the first round. Enjoy uh, Zach Wilson if you're into that sort of stuff, or hate against him if you if you if you're into that too. And uh, hopefully we can all come to terms and agree and enjoy uh, Penny Sewell because uh, Penny's nice. <laughs> He's got nothing wrong. Well, he kind of has. Uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. just yeah, don't he watch the has. draft then. Yeah, don't watch the draft. I guess uh, I will be because I like cheering for local guys. Sorry, I'm not nice like the rest of you, but. Uh, Anywho, uh, Steve at fbottle two four seven is his handle on Twitter. Utezone.com. You can get a seven day free trial if you haven't signed up. Check it out. If you like it, great. If you don't, no worries. Uh, no, no charge will be to be added to your account. KSLSports.com is where you can find me at Tom Cart Hackett is on Twitter. Nate Wade Subaru is our sponsor. Steve, until next week, uh, go Utes, my man, and uh, we'll speak then. <laughs>